Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Wednesday, September the 29th, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God, and we put on our Christ goggles to continue our study of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 14, as we got really a Leprosy 101 inspection last week or yesterday as we looked at chapter 13, and today we start looking at how does a leper get cleansed, those who um, heal from this, but what's interesting move is all of a sudden we start talking about homes. It seems to be more like a mildew issue. What does this mean for us? What does it mean for them? We'll find out today as we see Christ, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy strong word is graciously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. For more information of their great work around the world, bringing theologically rich resources to all nations, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word, we have with us this morning Pastor David Duke of St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church in Youngstown, New York, and Concordia Lutheran Church in Newfane, New York. Pastor Duke, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Oh, hi. It's uh, my pleasure to be here with you this morning. Um, well, it's afternoon here. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I forgot that. Go. Yeah, you are in New York. Now, Pastor, this is your first time on KFUO, and actually you are my first guest from the state of New York. So congratulations on that. What do you think? Oh, that's awesome. I shaved extra close this morning just for the special occasion. So. <laughs> exactly. So we all could notice it. We all could notice it. <laughs> I'm thrilled to death. So uh, first question I have is, uh, what, did I say that right? Newfane or is it different? How you say that name? The town? Oh, Newfane. I think Newfane is fine. Newfane is uh, <laughs> rural, rural northwestern New York, Niagara, Niagara County. You could say Niagara County is really Niagara uh, County. Wonderful. Yeah. So t first of all, tell us about yourself. Tell your family and the work that you do at St. John and Concordia and actually also at Concordia Theological Seminary in St. Catharines, Ontario. So give us the whole deal right away. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm married to one wife and I have uh, four boys. One of them just graduated from high school. He's 18. And then I have a 16-year-old and my uh, next batch. Let's see, he turns seven on Saturday. Wow. And then my youngest nice. boy is going to be, is four. He's four and a half. He was born right in the middle of turkey season. I remember that because I just sat down and my wife texted me. And you know, that's a hard, hard thing to do to get up before, before dawn. And then you're out there and it's cold and wet and you're calling for turkeys. Anyways, I'm, my mind is <laughs> my, my mind is, is really preoccupied because it's the it's the last day next to last day of September and October first here in in uh, I'm in Region Nine of New York is the October first is the opening day of archery season for deer hunting and I'm just over the moon it's my oh favorite my goodness just about my favorite thing in the world but yeah uh, you asked about more like my professional stuff so I'm the pastor <laughs> it's a, we call it a, a it's the it's the way of the rural areas I think now is we're doing partnerships. And so I'm, a, I'm in a partnership with two congregations. You mentioned them, uh, Concordia and Newfane, and then uh, St. John, Youngstown, New York. And Youngstown, New York overlooks the Niagara River where it comes out into Lake Ontario. 
and we defend um, we defend America from the expansionist Canadians, where uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> where I, I I actually regular well I used to before uh, you know this this nice pause from the um, from the, uh, the what do you call this thing we're doing going through the pandemic, and um, I've been teaching at the seminary there. There's a Lutheran seminary in St. Catharines, uh, Ontario, which is uh, oh you would say on the edge of the Greater Toronto area and in the beautiful Niagara region. And I've been the Old Testament professor there for, oh, 17 years now, I think. I moved here hmm. in 2004, and I'm an exegete, so I'm not very good at math. And I think that's about 17, 18 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I generally just skip all the numbers when they come up in the Bible. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Especially those long, hard Hebrew ones. So you've been there since 2004. You you yeah. are a multitasker, even if you are maybe not a good one. You are one because of the mm. multiple ministry opportunities that you are part of. And uh, you also, your father was a graduate with my father at seminary. You forgot that part. Oh, that's right. Dad and your dad. <laughs> uh, uh, rest in peace. My, my father, he, he uh, went to glory a few, some years ago now. But yeah, 1974, Springfield. Um, from Springfield Seminary, yeah, with that yeah. well, what, what is now Fort Wayne and uh, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, uh, they both graduated when it was still in Springfield, right towards the end. It, it moved in 1976, so they uh, snuck it in at the last moment, I guess you would say. So, anyways, yeah. uh, it's a joy to it's a joy to have you with us, and and as we look at uh, Leviticus chapter 14, we'll get to some introductory thoughts on that. But first, Pastor, as we search the scriptures, can you begin our time in prayer? Sure. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we confess to you on a regular basis that we are by nature sinful and unclean, but we also rejoice uh, in your Son and that he has washed us clean with his precious blood. Help us to see that today in Leviticus chapter 14 as we open it and you unfold it in our hearts, in our minds, and you actually make us better people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. To our listeners, if you have any questions according to our text today or any parts of Leviticus, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Also, if you want to call in, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, one of the joys of having someone like Pastor Duke come on um, is that when you send out a letter, you send out emails, that's how we get our guests. We have some regular guests who, you know, just are regular and they come on each month or even twice a month. And then the rest is Jenny Williams, who's our producer, sends out emails, calls people, says, hey, you want to study this? So I'm always humbled. And this is for you, our listeners, to know, to uh, give thanks to all of our guests because they might see John chapter three. They're like, oh, I could do that in my sleep. Yeah, it'd be great. Or, or uh, you know, whatever, Romans or something. Oh, I could do that. No problem. But Leviticus is not something people usually choose. So, Pastor, um, thank you <laughs> for, for <laughs> signing up for this. But secondly, as you are Old Testament exegete, there's a lot that can be said on Leviticus as we look at chapter 14. So how do you want to start us off so we can start off on the right foot? Right. I think it's important, especially this particular chapter, to make two notes. And, and we'll, we'll kind of take a moment here, a, a few minutes to outline what we're going to do. Um, first of all, Leviticus itself is in the middle of a story. It starts, in, and I would say, uh, I would make the argument to my colleagues, it starts at Exodus 19, verse 1, and that's where the Israelites arrive at Mount Sinai. 
And then that story doesn't really come to an end until after Joshua um, enters the promised land or leads the Israelites into the promised land. And I, I would argue that's Joshua 4, 14. And Leviticus kind of mm. sits right in the middle of that. And then kind of narrowing it down, um, the story is really the story of God joining his people in their midst instead of being up on the mountain or even outside the camp, uh, the tent of meeting, uh, he actually brings his glorious presence into their midst. And Leviticus, to me, is the story of arranging that so that it isn't harmful because God's glory is an all-consuming glory. And, well, we're not ready for that, uh, not without a lot of um, preparation. And then to narrow it further, we have um, the story in Leviticus of Nadab and Abihu, who are Aaron's sons. And this is right after, this is a very important part of the context. This is right after the tabernacle was filled. It's not like years and years of wandering in the desert and knowing better. It was right after the tabernacle was filled with God's presence. They wandered in there and they were killed. God killed them. Mm -hmm. And all sorts of things that ensued. I imagine you've probably studied that. That's at Leviticus uh -huh. chapter 10. Right. Yep. And then we don't have a response to that until Leviticus chapter 16, which we traditionally call the Day of Atonement. Right. Leviticus 11 through 15 is just like this filler material, it looks like, because of the nature of it. It's very dry legal material with all sorts of steps. But it is the stuff concerning uncleanness. It's all the uncleanness laws. And what you get if you read this as a story is the reason why Nadab and Abihu were killed. Because the beginning of the Day of Atonement or that Leviticus 16 is God saying, hey, you know, don't just barge right in here. And what we've had since the story of them being killed is all this uncleanness. And I don't I didn't I didn't really look very closely, but I, the laws of include, in, uh, uncleanness even include something like this. If a bug dies and falls into your favorite pot, it's unclean and you have to smash it and throw it out. Can you imagine like in the middle of the night, some bug dies and you just sort of in your, it's, you know, it's the mists of the morning and you still got sleep in your eyes and you kind of empty the pot out and you don't know that there's a, a dead bug in there and now you're unclean. And it's like it's like that all over the place, right? You, you have spider yeah. crawls across your your favorite uh, uh, clay oven. You got to smash that clay oven up and and start over again. First of all, there's just the the innumerable ways to become unclean, and then the second of all is like, well, let's just look the other way on that little rat that just crawled through the house there. We're not going to tell anybody about that because that's like seven days of work to get back right. into the nature of things, and nobody saw it. And so basically what you have is this building of uncleanness, and it's and God doesn't want that anywhere near. And I would make the case that it's really not about active or even uh, passive sinfulness. It's the nature of uncleanness, mm -hmm. that it's it's mm -hmm. it can't come anywhere near the holy, holy, holy one, the, the trisagion, we say. When that those two things meet, you got a real problem, you know, and that's kind of um, – <laughs> I'm, it's in our liturgy, actually. Uh, when you get to uh, the, the communion service, holy, holy, holy is Isaiah chapter six. And the problem there is King Uzziah had leprosy and was in the presence of the holy, holy, holy one. And that's fire and burn out everybody after that. There's, there's no way to get, a, get, get that taken care of. 
So that's where we are, I think, here in Leviticus hmm. chapter 14 is this, this, this nature of God versus the nature of man. Now, that's one thing to set the thing up. You ready for the second thing? You got a question? I, I'm ready. I mean, I am. Okay. I am. I am eating it up. Keep going. All right. Second thing is, is here's where we have this strange word hyssop. The hyssop is here. Uh, hyssop occurs in the Bible just a handful of times. It just so happens to be in a couple of really important places. One of them is Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, right? Purge me with hyssop. And then the other place is John chapter 19, the crucifixion of Jesus. They put the sponge of sour wine or, or whatever on a hyssop branch and gave it to him to drink. And John's gospel, of course, is notorious for odd little uh, hints and symbols placed here and there for you to kind of work on for a couple thousand years, you know, so that you can kind of maybe figure <laughs> out what this Jesus thing is all about. So yeah, you've got you've got the hyssop thing, and then it's sort of located right here in Leviticus 14. And I think that's just about it. I think there's one exception to that, but it's it's Psalm 51: Purge me with hyssop, make me whiter than snow. It's the crucifixion of Jesus, and it's here. So I, you know, what I'm doing here is building up the data to make the case that Leviticus 14 goes really close to repentance and forgiveness um, in the cross of Jesus. So that's you know, the thing. I love it. I love it because it when you hear the words that you pray today, that we are by nature sinful and unclean, we start right away in the worship service saying, we've got a problem. You know, yeah. uh, God, we have a problem. Um, saints, we have a problem. Uh, people together, we have a problem. And, and you really brought that to light because it's so easy for us to read this and in one sense get bored. It's like, oh mm -hmm. my gosh, are we going to repeat this again? But then also, it's a reminder, once again, it's like a constant, we are by nature sinful and unclean. And I love how you brought it back to Nadab and Abihu, is that there, we see the problem, and you're like, oh, that's so unfair. And especially if we keep going, which many times, to be honest, we don't. Uh, we either fall asleep in chapter 13, um, and we get to the mildew yep. in the house today, you're like, what's going on? And we give up by 16. We right, we haven't gotten to a day of atonement. I mean, this is like, what about the Holy of Holies? How when are we gonna go in there? When's someone gonna do something with God as opposed to um everything else? And so that is a good point. I've felt that myself. Like, well, what about the day of atonement? When's that coming? I, I'm ready for it. We need it. But now we get that just a reminder, you are sinful and unclean, and you're no different than Nadab and Abihu. So slow down, don't just jump in here. Um, we have a problem. Yeah, and, that's, and I yeah, you, you mentioned early, and this is kind of getting ahead, but I mean, you, we don't want to lose it in the noise, but you mentioned that houses can get leprosy. You know, right. houses can be unclean. <laughs> and it's a really interesting little note here that goes to the point of the nature of things. Like there's this nature of God and there's this nature of sinful man. It's it's not that we're unclean separate from being sinful. It's like, but there's this, there's this separate... Uh, separate relationship to God. There's the sinfulness versus his demand for perfection. That's one thing. But there's this holiness that God is, and then there's this uncleanness that we are by nature. It's, mm. It says, where did I put it? When, I, uh, when you enter the land of Canaan, which I am about to give you as your possession, that's, uh, sorry, 14 verse 34. Mm -hmm. 
and I put a spreading mole in a house in that land. See, he's doing it. God is doing it. And I think that's the same thing with respect to lepers. It's like what God is trying to do with lepers. And remember, you you studied this uh, yesterday, the what what mm-hmm. is the identification of leprosy. It's not Hansen's disease. Hansen's disease would count, but it's any kind of skin disease that's persistent. And I don't know exactly right. what your host said yesterday. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that's just about it, right? I think I would make the case that the point is is that anybody could be a leper uh, in the next two minutes because we're all unclean. And God mm-hmm. on a regular basis would just sort of roll the dice in heaven and it would come up some poor sod's uh, you know, uh, number. And that guy or that gal got le- leprosy and this whole rigmarole begins. You're out for seven days, right? You're just out. That's it. And then you can hope to heal up by the end of that seventh day and come in. But, you know, the chances are that the dice really came up against you. You know, you did not get past the line there. And uh, and you're, you're going to be out for indefinitely. And there's a whole thing that goes along with that, too, uh, just to get back into chapter 13 for just a split second. Mm-hmm. And it, it, this is leading up to some of the stuff in 14, is that when you get your family member is thrown out, Right, because of this skin disease, what are you going to do? Are you really, uh, are you really basically just saying goodbye and closing the door on that relationship, or are you going to figure out a way to have mercy on your loved one, on your neighbor? And I, I wonder if that's what this was supposed to be. This leprosy thing was to show, look, you don't belong anywhere near God. And I'm going to show you you don't belong near to me. Every once in a while, this person's going to catch leprosy out of nowhere, and out they go. They didn't do anything, nothing, nothing different than what you're doing. It's just living your life day to day, but you're you're out leprosy. Are you going to love your neighbor as yourself? It's how Jesus summarizes Leviticus, uh, and the second is like the first commandment: love your neighbor as your as, your, as yourself. Uh, and that's that's where you're getting here. You're getting this. God is doing this. God is doing this, and we we know that the whole wandering in the wilderness thing was a testing of Israel, right? And it mm-hmm. is fulfilled finally in the testing of Jesus on the forty days in the wilderness. So that's what we got uh, with uh, with leprosy. So what what we are having first of all, we got to get into the text, but definitely you've uh, laid the groundwork for us to look at this. Is leprosy is not like. I went and did this, and therefore this happened to me. It can happen to anybody. Um, yeah. And we see that in Naaman. You know, he's a, a big name, and he gets yeah. it. And so when we look at Jesus in chapter 17 of Luke and the lepers, who knows? That could have been a king. Who knows that one of those individuals of those 10 guys uh, could have been some big name, and we just have no name for them. And then also, I'll, I'll say this, is that when you have Simon the leper— we're reminded of this that Jesus goes and stays with him. Uh, is it uh, what's that? Uh, Mark fourteen, I believe that there Jesus is sitting in that house, and so it, it reminds us of one the identity that we gave to people leper, not an identity mm-hmm. they created for themselves, and also the identity of being with the Lord, clean on account of Christ. That's how we would talk about it. Obviously, post Christ, so it's really. There's a lot going on here, Pastor, but I think I want to start digging into the text, and you keep you keep rolling with what you have. So I'm going to start <laughs> um, verses 1 through 9. Reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading um, from the English Standard Version. So verses 1 through 9. Oh, well, let me switch to that. 
Yeah. I'm sorry. Are you in the wrong? You're in the wrong. A different I was version, not wrong version. <laughs> that was my goodness. Yeah, the yeah. wrong version. Yep. <laughs> yeah, here, here I'm good to go now. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Yes, <laughs> here yeah. we go. Leviticus chapter 14. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in the earthenware vessels over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go in, go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day, he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair, and he shall shave, shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. Pastor, we have about five minutes before our break. So uh -huh. what, what this kind this once again lays a foundation for many other things. What do you have for us in the first nine verses? Well, first of all, that is the sound of myriad thousands falling asleep <laughs> while, you're, <laughs> while you're reading that, because you, that's precisely to your point. Look at, listen to that. I mean, how could you keep track of yeah. that? And and the, yeah, yeah, the difficulty is uh, the difficulty is visualizing it. It's kind of like doing math over the air yeah, without right. pen and paper. Amen. Mm -hmm. And and one of the things I do for uh, on occasion, I kind of rotate a handful of things on Ash Wednesday is to do this purging of, of uh, hyssop. And um, one of the things I do is actually try to visualize it. And one of the things I'm going to do, I'm going to cheat a little bit here, is I'm going to get my baptismal font out and put it in the middle of the middle of the uh, area there where the, the, the aisle and the, the chancel area come together. So everybody can see there's the baptismal font. Okay. And then I get my little boys. Uh, they're getting bigger. They're going to cut out two paper birds for me. They're going to make two turtle doves, white, clean birds. And I'm going to hold them up. And I'm going to say, we have our two birds, right? And then I'm going to get my uh, scarlet yarn. I'm, here, here is my scarlet yarn. And then I've got a cedar wood. Now, everybody knows what cedar wood is. You've got it on the side of your house, or a lot of people have it on the side of their house, or at least some sort of uh, fake version of it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, cedar wood right there you go. Just a nice little piece of wood. Um, and then you've got this, this stuff called hyssop. And hyssop, I think we can do this, uh, what, two or three minutes here? Mm -hmm. Hyssop is a, a, a nice wildflower, kind of on the on the weed side of wildflower. It has a, a little bluish, purplish flower on it, and it's covered in those flowers. And if you can, if you can kind of see in your mind's eye an old straw broom, instead of it being one of the flat straw brooms, it's like a round straw broom. You may have seen that. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you may know what I'm uh, talking about. If you take a hyssop and cut it at its root and then tie it and let it dry 
and then you cut the ends off and bind it real tight. That's kind of what you have. You have a little broom and you can scrub with it. And that's what it was useful for. And, and nowadays, I think people use it for the essential oils in it. So it's not something that's completely and entirely unfamiliar. But if you can imagine like that brushiness, that's about, oh, say about, ah, oh, geez, the, the length of your forearm. You know, you've got a little plant about that long bound up and it's going to, it's not going to soak water in like a sponge, but it's going to hold water in it so that you can sprinkle it, you see. Ah, so okay. that's, that's kind of what that hyssop is for. And then when you sprinkle it, you kind of attack it like with the ends of it. And really you're trying to get something off with it, you know, like scrub the, you scrub the greasy spot of your pan off, or like you got some sort of dirt on your clothing. You just really kind of get in there real hard with that, uh, with that straw, uh, straw ish kind of brushy broomy thing that we would call hyssop. And then, uh, you're going to have water. And water kind of gets us into that baptismal font, right? Mm -hmm. And our translation says fresh water. And there's a fun little thing here. In the Hebrew, it says living water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, living water, it's too easy. Like, oh, I am the living water, you know, drink of this water. It's just too easy. It's not there. It's, that's going to be an allegory and not really good, uh, good Christology. But what you have is water that isn't a stagnant pool. It's water that's drinkable probably or could be drinkable easily, you know, and it, it could be running water. There's a little bit of a debate about it, about what kind of water are we talking about here? I would gather since they're in the wilderness, it's any kind of water that's drinkable or could mm. be easily made into drinkable water, potable, uh, or water you could wash with. Not not gunky, uh, algae-covered water that's a little too muddy for even human consumption, right? That's what kind of water we're talking about. So we've got a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces, and I'm really trying to vamp here to help you get to this break because <laughs> because we got <laughs> some work well. to do to put it into motion. <laughs> that's what we got. We've got to bring the priest out and get him together with the the uh, the guy and start putting this stuff together and make it alive for our hearers. And uh, so we've got a priest in town. You interrupt me when you're started. Yeah, we have a minute left. Go ahead. All right, good. We've got a priest who's probably a specialist. That's his job is uh, inspector of, of former lepers. And he's mm -hmm. got a special kind of knife with him. And he's probably got some assistance. And he's got a little pedestal with a nice bowl. And he's going to come out of the camp. Now, he's probably going to be annoyed because his job is an easy job. And he gets to hang out at the coffee shop and talk to his buds about theology. And there's going to, ah, there's this guy, leper. Bob is clean, he says. <laughs> oh, great. And he's going to go out and say, you know, he's, he's expecting the guy to be just sort of hoping against hope. But he's going to find a leper who's actually been healed of his leprosy. So then we'll start from there. That's where we're going to start. Okay. I mean, this is like a buildup. I'm, I'm envisioning yeah. the coffee shop. I'm envisioning this guy comes. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes as pastors, you're kind of like, oh, okay, here it comes. Another whatever the situation might be where we don't see a success. And all of a sudden, you have a success. Yep. And you're like, wait, God is good. Now what do I there do? It. Of course, you know, that's kind of what's happening. Um, so, Pastor, we're going to get to this, and I'm real excited. I'm I'm on the cliff right now. It's like a cliffhanger. It's like yeah. uh, we're ready to see the good stuff. So we need to take our break. We are studying Leviticus chapter 14 with Pastor David Duke, and we'll be right back.
Did you know that there are over 18,000 archived episodes of shows and podcasts on KFUO.org? You can explore them all by using the search feature on our homepage. Just click on the magnifying glass in the upper right-hand corner of KFUO.org and enter in any keyword, like a book of the Bible or name of a host or guest, and then browse all of our shows relating to that topic. KFUO.org. Christ for you. Anytime and anywhere. Wednesday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss what I wish my non-Lutheran family knew about faith with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. We'll talk with Greg Kokel about responding to arguments for critical theory and its media coverage of religion with Terry Mattingly. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. The next Sing for Joy celebrates creation. We can't use color, water, earth, or sky. Such things do not work on radio. But we will use music. Join us for music that gives thanks for the beauty of the earth. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. Welcome back. We are studying Leviticus chapter 14 with Pastor David Duke from New York. Like I said before, our first guest from New York. What a joyous time that is. Even though I dare say you're almost Canadian. Can I say that? I don't know if that Oh, works. no. No, please don't do that to the Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, so, we have a so, very wonderful relationship over there. I, I have many friends. I was a pastor in the city of St. Catharines for six years. Okay. So I have a lot of very dear friends, and of course, my friends at uh, at the seminary, and many of the students that have gone on and upward out of the seminary. So yeah, and I, and what a, what a wonderful joy it is. And I'll just take one step back: is uh, for us here on KFUO and in the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, we've had a very close relationship. Actually, we're together as one church body until 1988 with the Lutheran Church in Canada. We had Dr. Tom Winger, who was the president of the institution that you work at, and also next week we have Dr. John Halwegi, who is at Concordia Seminary in Edmonton, Canada. So it's a really fun thing. We don't need to dig into that right now. And I want to do this too, Pastor. As we look at Leviticus chapter 14, um, I'm not going to worry about us getting through every single verse in this chapter since we are at this point. I encourage you, our listeners, to be uh, absolved from fear of that because right now he is breaking this <laughs> down. And if there's anything in Leviticus we need to do more of is slow down and look at the verses that lay the groundwork, I would say, as he's mentioned here in those five chapters or almost six chapters, 11 through 15, uh, five chapters, where you're like, what is going on? And this is very helpful for us to make the connections to the Day of Atonement that is coming. So, Pastor, uh, you kind of ended on a, a cliffhanger. There's the priest. He's, you know, coffee is on his breath. He's he's kind of like, oh, let's just get this thing done. This guy's probably not clean. And he is. So what happens yeah. after that? Yeah, okay. And so here's this is where you can you can really do a, a good job of, of uh, seeing the almost direct connection to the crucifixion of Jesus as John depicts it. And then also... Uh, how David is appealing to it. 
um, in Psalm 51 and how we do basically almost every time we sing that song, if you're, if you're doing divine service setting three old page five and 15, uh, mm-hmm. create in me a clean heart. Oh God, we don't actually say those words, but we evoke them, you know, um, and then purge me with hyssop here. We're going to purge a, a, a leper. And it's important to, um, it's important to kind of have the players, right? See, uh, there's this leper who's he, he's healed of his leper's disease. It's done, but he's not clean. He, uh, well, we're talking about ceremonial cleanness, right? He's not uh, able to come back, even though he has no leprosy. And so he, you get the inspection, right? And he's clean, fine. Or he's not. I just <laughs> just killed my own point. He's not clean. He's healed of the disease. <laughs> yeah, bring out the specialty priest. He has a special knife, and that special knife is, uh, oh, let me. Uh, Back up. I'm going to get ahead of myself. It's it's hard, right? And that's why I say it's like it's like doing math over the air. Right? You just you need mm-hmm. pen and paper. You need kids up there holding paper birds and stuff. So you take one of those birds, and you take the scarlet yarn, and it's red uh, because it's red. <laughs> you know, it's like, why why scarlet? Well, I think so that it's it's red. That's why. You know, it's a, one of those you know, funny things where just just make sure it's red, okay? And you tie that bird to the cedar wood. And what's the cedar wood for, for? Well, it's a little bit more rigid than the hyssop. And you tie the hyssop all in one bundle. So you have uh, with that uh, uh, scarlet yarn, you have tied a bird to a piece of wood and with the hyssop. Okay. So you got this chaotic little scene because that bird's probably moving around wondering what's about to happen to it, especially when it sees its buddy. You take the other bird and you've got this special knife and that special knife. It's, it's kind of like a jig uh, with a very sharp blade and one, one little loopy thing on the end there. And you're going to run it across the back of the bird's head down toward its neck. And it's a, it's a um, uh, humane way of killing it very quickly and also getting blood out of it without taking its head off. Okay. So it's a whole mm. bird that you have killed and you're bleeding out into this water I was talking about. So that's what's happening. The priest has commanded. It's a it's an interesting little uh, detail, right? The priest shall command. This mm. this entire chapter is basically the movement of the priest. The priest is doing this, the priest is doing that. The priest is making commands, right? So he's he's taking he's made this command this bird has been killed and you've bled it out into the water. Now once upon a time when I was a little boy, uh, I was told not to go reaching up into the the, uh, the bathroom cabinet for some bath salts that my grandmother liked a lot. But I really liked the smell of my grandmother, so I wanted them in my bathtub too. And uh, for some reason, the sink was full of water. Uh, and I don't know why, but I was climbing up there soaking wet on this porcelain, this porcelain uh, uh, sink as a seven-year-old boy trying to get this pink stuff out of the top shelf of the medicine cabinet and I slipped and I bashed my chin on the sink and it started to bleed. Have you ever seen blood hit water? It's just, it's just instant. It just goes all through the water and it turns it into blood. The water is bloody. It doesn't take but an instant for it to go all the way through it. So that's what you have. You have this white bird or this clean bird, this, uh, you know, wonderful, uh, uh, dove it's bleeding out into water. And so you have this red water and you take that bundle with the living bird 
and the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop. That hyssop is important. I went to great lengths to describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so you dip <laughs> that all into that bloody water. And the the hyssop is going to soak a little bit of that water in, not like a sponge, but just sort of like draw it, you know. And the bird, the live bird, is going to be covered with that blood. You take it out and you start swinging that hyssop bundle over the leper, or the, the one who is cleansed of the leprous disease. And you you sprinkle him seven times. So this, this guy is now covered with leprous disease. And I forgot to mention in chapter 14, he will be basically uh, down to his skivvies because he has been inspected. So uh, you've got this this wonderful picture of a priest who's all decked out in his priestly garb, and then this this guy out in the wilderness outside the camp in his you know underwear, essentially, uh, waiting for mercy to come to him. And so you have this contrast, and then you're throwing blood all over him, right? And so he's got this blood all over him because seven times with that is going to get you pretty covered from head to toe. And then the priest says, "You are clean." And that's when the leper is now clean, when the priest says so. It's a declaration. And you might want to take a little detour here and say, you know, when the pastor says, I hereby forgive you, it's the same thing. It's this declaration from outside you that says what you are now, right? It's a representative, a fully empowered representative of God actually saying, now you're clean. It had nothing to do with your skin. It had everything to do with your relationship to God. Now you're clean. And uh, and then here's the kicker. This is verse 7. You let the living bird go. So the leper is literally, and everybody around, is literally watching the free bird. Right. This is where if if we had a, a you know, if I had a, a pre-planned, we'd have uh, Leonard Skinner going up over, you know, under me here. You're free <laughs> as a bird. Literally. I mean, it's just it's this, this wonderful picture of there's me. That's me flying away free from death. Right. And that's that's the connection. That's this. Uh, I, I, you almost can go straight from here to that crucifixion scene where there's the hyssop and you have John. The, the the narrator stopping the whole thing, just ab, just the whole thing stops. I swear the 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 witness is true. The witness saw it. He says what he says is true. And what's he referring to? He's referring to the the soldier pierces Jesus' side, and out comes a flow of blood and water. Mm. Right, and so we all look at that and we see baptism. Because if you can't see baptism yet, uh, Romans chapter six, uh, what is it? How does that go? Don't you know that all of you who have been baptized have been baptized into Christ's death? And then it goes on further. And this is the, the funeral text. You know, how many times have I done this? Right. And uh, in, in as much as you've gone in, you've died with Christ and you have come out and you are alive with Christ. That's this thing. You are the living bird. You fly away. And then you could say, well, Christ is the dead bird. Well, yeah, also, but on Easter Sunday, he also is the living bird. So he fills up both of them. Both birds are Jesus. You know, it's like the, it's like the old joke in seminary. I remember this, the homiletics class, you know, try to work a little bit on your children's sermons, you know, more than like, uh, or even in elders meetings, like uh, what's brown? 
has a bushy tail, climbs trees, eats nuts, and hibernates in the winter. I don't know, Pastor. It sounds like a squirrel. That's probably Jesus. You know, that thing, it's, you kind of got that here. It's like these two, these two birds, one of them's the dead bird, that's Jesus. And it's why it's so important to remember, you don't, you don't break the bones of the lamb. You don't, uh, you don't uh, cut the head off of the bird because you've got this whole innocent, pure thing. And then Jesus is the live bird. He flies away. He's and we go with him in a flock, I guess, if you want to really press it and have a maudlin sermon. Um, but there you go. Mm. That's that's what you've got in this picture. And then you get to go inside and shave and all that. Okay, so let's let's how would you connect that to the day of atonement? I want to hit that today because it is so similar where you have the sacrifice and the scapegoat. And we use that language a lot. And this is kind of a, 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 oh, yeah. a, a foretaste of the feast to come, if you will, of how would you, as you say that, because you can't help but think about it. And Dr. Kleinig speaks about this in his commentary. And I found it fascinating. And now that we're going slow, I'm not worried about every single verse. <laughs> can you make a connection with this? How would you make that connection? Well, yeah, there are um, echoes of an awful lot of stuff in this little in this little uh, story here where you have... You're trying to slough off your condition. Uh, it has to go somewhere. And the scapegoat is very interesting um, to anticipate, and I hope not ruin whoever's doing that for you. Uh, <laughs> it'll be, it'll, all, it'll the, be good. It'll the, be good. The scapegoat is one of two goats, right? One of them is killed, and the scapegoat is the one that's sent off. And you confess the sins of the whole community of Israel on the head of that scapegoat, and it goes off. You don't kill it. You send it off to Azazel, and no one knows what Azazel is. Uh, my own kind of personal preference is the chaotic non-existence as opposed to the chaotic uh, existence of water. Like that's the big symbol in the Old Testament and ancient Near Eastern stuff is water is is this chaotic death that's coming to get you. Whereas the chaos of Azazel is this wilderness chaos where you just sort of cease and the sin goes out there and it's gone. Um, it's it's related. I don't know how close a, uh, you can hew to that because the, the key to the dove that's getting away is that it's alive. And it's right. it's not right. being sent to nothingness. It's it's alive. The mm -hmm. the nothingness is in the pool of blood and all over the poor leper or leper who who was the former leper, the artist formerly known as leper. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't help it. <laughs> I tried to you stop myself well. before I did it. That's right. Well, <laughs> I'm in Minnesota, so we can relate with this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so we have that. There's a connection, not quite a connection. We'll leave that for Leviticus 16. Right now, we get to verse 9. You have the seventh day, and here's my goal. I want to get through verse 9, and I want us to talk about the eighth day. So I want to get to at least verse 20 during our time because we have about 11, 12 minutes left. But we get to this point where he is he's outside. The, he's outside. He's living outside. Um, he says, and he shall be clean. And then he has to go through even more rituals to make sure that he's clean. So verse 9, it says this, And on the seventh day he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair, and then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in the water, and he shall be clean. What do we see in that verse? Well, a little bit more baptism. 
again, <laughs> I, I, you just can't get away from it, right? It's you've got all this water, water and cleansing and washing all over. I don't, I don't know. See, I, I tried to ignore this, but I, I knew you'd probably ask about it, and I was thinking about it because the why isn't the blood of the bird good enough, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's just it's sort of like in stages kind of thing where we're gonna make double dog sure. Right, that there's this clean cleanness from everything. Like if you look at the one, it's the first one is okay, blood, water, life, death. This leprosy is closely related to death. Like there, this is the sign of death. You're all dead, right? And so now we've got the death, death, life, cleanness thing. So we're now we're alive, living bird, right? I wonder if, and it, it, a lot of it is, I wonder if. Because mm-hmm. I can read the same mm-hmm. commentaries and go, yeah, he's just sort of saying stuff real like fervently and hoping that nobody notices. <laughs> and it's all the, you know, it's all the commentaries just looking at this going, man, what is this? Um, and so am I, right? I'm no, I'm no better than they are. Probably I'm their student. So you look at this and you say, I think maybe you got perhaps sort of distancing myself and killing it with the death of a thousand uh, qualifications. We got hair and beard and eyebrows and you got to wash all your clothes. Maybe that stuff still has a little bit of uncleanness on it as opposed to the skin stuff. Like it spreads so fast and it's so it's so uh, uh, pervasive is the word, I guess. And maybe being in the wilderness for so long, however many days or years or months it was, there's uncleanness that has to be dealt with there because the wilderness is by nature unclean. And he's out of the camp, which is clean. So there's got to be something with that. Like like you're making the leper clean and now you're making the guy who was in the wilderness clean. I don't know. Something like that. Right. And it, the, the imagery is, is totally brings back to how you prayed. And that really struck me today is just that understanding of we are by nature sinful and unclean, that even when we think, oh, I'm good now, um, I, I, I have no leprosy. No, 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 let's wait. Let's, let's, let's get the birds out. Let's do the sacrifice. We're gonna, throughout this whole chapter, it talks a lot about you know, the guilt offering, the, you know, the um, grain offering. It goes through that whole list, and it shows you that we are by nature sinful and unclean. So it just was like that, that double whammy to say, you know what, you are, you're still not clean. Um, and, and, you know, uh, the, the reminder of the Lord have mercy aspect of why we, after we are forgiven, we still ask to have a curie in our worship service. And so oh, all yeah. of that just keeps coming back and back and back that showing us that we need to be made clean in the sight of our Lord. Now, pastor, we have about eight minutes left in our time. I want to read 10 through 20 and to get your perspective on this reminder to our listeners that we're not going to get through all of chapter 14. So I encourage <laughs> you to read the rest yourself. The cleansing of homes definitely points us to understanding of, of the temple of Jesus, even having to cleanse that, but we're not going to get into that today. I want to get through 10 through 20 to finish our time. So I'll read that now. And on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish and one ewe lamb, a year old without blemish, and a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with oil, and one log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering, along with a log of oil, and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord." And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they killed the sin offering and the burnt offering in place of the sanctuary. 
For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of the right hand of the big toe of his right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it on the palm of his own left hand, and dip his right finger in the oil that is in the left hand, and sprinkle some oil with the finger seven times before the Lord." And some of the oil that remains in his hand, and priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him, who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, on the big toe of his right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward he shall kill the burnt offering, and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. So he needs to be cleaned and cleaned and cleaned again. But here... I, you know, there's there's a lot of imagery here. I want to find out what you want to start with because we have about six and a half minutes left. Go ahead. Yeah, this is um, – there's a lot of speculation on this because there's no explanation for it. And what made the first part of Leviticus easy is its association with Psalm 51 and the yeah. crucifixion of Jesus. What makes this hard is the exact opposite, right? The, the same reason. It's nowhere else. I don't – I, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you. And there's a lot of like, well, I'm going to guess again. And I, you know, read around and I looked at it and I thought about it. And I think one of the things that Kleinig makes a point of is that there's these uh, echoes and resemblances to other things that are done. And one of them is the priests. Um, the priests get the oil and such on them, right? There, you have that oil thing and it's an anointing, right? Um what if, and this is a question, what if the guy who, and remember how I introduced it, the guy who got the leprosy, it's just random. It's a random sign that we are all lepers, unclean on the inside in our hearts, and God is on occasion just picking some guy to remind us, look it, you shouldn't be here. Kyrie, right? Lord have mercy. I'm having mercy on you, but you've got to remember you do not deserve to be in the community. Out this guy goes. Now, he's got the uh, the stink of, of being a leper on him, right? And it, it's just it, immediate. We're all pietists at heart, right? He must have done something to get God's right. ire, right? He must have. And we do that. Like, and we, we talk about, you know, we talk about the poor and the undeserving poor. And it's like, what? Well, come on. We got to serve the undeserving poor too. And God makes a point of, of that in Leviticus as well, right? The undeserving poor are our responsibility. They deserve to be poor, in other words. Sorry, I mean the, the, they they do not deserve our mercy. They're they're deserving of their bad condition, and I call mm-hmm. that I call that undeserving. I might have gotten it backwards, but it's like, well, they don't deserve our mercy. Well, of course not. Neither do we. Uh, they're signs to us. Can we have mercy on our neighbor even when we think they don't deserve it? You know, right. uh, re- recidivism being one of those great things that we talk about here in in rural New York. A lot of people say come back from the military. And can't get their lives together. They've got PTSD and they commit crimes. Well, they should have gone into the treatment program at ECMC there. You know, well, no, maybe they're going to do this the rest of their lives and we can show mercy to them anyhow. 
right? Because we're going to sin dreadfully and awfully against God our whole lives, but we're going to keep it together enough to be able to retire in, in some sort of comfort and ease and give our kids something. So who are we as a community? That's this leper. This leper is out there. He's coming back in and he gets uh, all the stuff, the double cleansing and now the triple cleansing, and he gets the oil on him, right? And it's on the, the first of all, like, there's clear symbolism here, right? The oil on the ear, the hand and the foot. And it's like, well, yeah. that's the whole shebang, right? He, and, you know, Kleinig says here and, and then eat and then stand on holy ground. I, I guess so. But, you know, I don't know how that refers or relates to leprosy, except that you're thrown out, right? But there's lots of things that get you thrown out and you don't get the oil on your ear. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, I don't know. I wonder, it's the big long arc to come to this point. I wonder if this makes that poor guy who got the, you know, basically the dice came up with his number, short straw kind of thing. I wonder if he gets to be a priest for a day, right? Not formally, but like, this is, this is his day. Look, you had leprosy. You were out of the camp. You were in the wilderness. People looked at you askance. Maybe your wife showed mercy to you. Maybe your kids did or your uncle or your, your brother or whatever. But really, everybody sort of had to stay away from you by law, right? This is the uh, the man falling in, coming out of Jerusalem, falling into the hands of robbers, and the Levite had to go around him. And that's the Good Samaritan, we call it. But the Levite was by law. He had to. He couldn't come close to that. It was a dead body. Uh, anyways, I lost my point. Uh, oh, yeah. So this is his day. He gets the oil on him. He smells good. He's been dressed. Everybody's paying attention to him. He gets to eat the good food and all that stuff. There's offerings. It's it's his day, sort of like, you know, priest for a day. And I wonder if the relation is, and I, again, I'm guessing, this is all like, you know, you can laugh if you actually know better. Uh, <laughs> this is like uh, us. We kind of have these moments where, not, I'm not talking about an ordinary life, but with God, right? There's moments where you just sort of know it isn't the testing. It's sort of like you're getting a taste of the reward today and something really spiritually uh, happy happens to you. Something that makes you actually acknowledge in your being that there's a blessedness that's happening to you today, you know, and then tomorrow it's the same old grind, right? The same old, uh, the same old pilgrimage. But I, I wonder, I wonder about this. That it's mm. it's his day, right? Ear, hand, foot. Uh, it's you, buddy. You're it's it, you did the hard stuff, and now it's the, it's your easy day. I don't know. That's the only thing I can really come up with. You you don't As like we, that one, do you? <laughs> I I I am I am I am. I tell you what. One of the one of the realities <laughs> of Leviticus is that we spend a lot of time trying to break it down. And the the wonderful thing that you're doing is you're making us slow down. Look at everything, and to, like you said, a triple cleansing. I can't help but not think about the prodigal son in this. Is that reality of he is now welcomed into the sanctuary? You know that he is welcome home in essence, which I think connects yeah. to the end of chapter four as well. And just that kind of that, you know, he puts a ring on his finger, he covers him. You know, all those kind of realities. I'm not saying a one to one. I haven't done enough study on that. Oh, but definitely yeah, has right. This, understanding of the Lord welcomes him. It's the eighth day. We talk as Christians about the eighth day of creation, where God has made us a new creation. Clearly that is happening for this man. When you said this man probably was maybe not well off, and we we want to look at mercy, we look at the rest of 21 to 32, where this understanding of God gives the opportunity even for the poor to receive this blessing of cleanliness. 
and also that connection that we see of needing to be cleansed, and our Lord gives it by His grace. Pastor, we have about 45 seconds left here. How would you summarize the verses we went through today? Baptism, it's all about baptism. The whole shebang is a relationship to your baptism. It's a great study for you to examine your own uncleanness and your own condition before God and how He has set you free, and you fly. You march right into the kingdom of heaven without a word. Well, I mean, good words, but without any kind of, hey, hold up there, buddy. Now you're basically flying in. No problem. Have fun. <laughs> Pastor David Duke of St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church in Youngstown, New York, and Concordia Lutheran Church in New Fane, New York, giving us God's strong word today from Leviticus chapter 14. Pastor Duke, thank you for the gifts. You're welcome. Saints of our Lord, to be in God's presence, he demands cleanliness. And we hear in chapter 14 where they literally had to say, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. But today we hear from the priest, you are clean. And guess what? We hear that from our high priest, our Lord Jesus, on account of his blood, the blood that we had a foreshadowing of today, tells us you are clean. As Pastor Duke said, we fly, we fly in his grace. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.